0: Welcome to episode 248 of the Rugby League Republic Podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review week one of the NRL final series. We discuss the Cleary Masterclass, Sinbin Sunday and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic Podcast starts right now. All right, welcome to episode two hundred and forty eight of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, rugby league. This is rugby league for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, week one of the NRL finals has wrapped up. Are you are you still pumped?
1: Yeah, I am, Doctor T. It's, uh, it is, it was an amazing weekend of rugby league. Um, a roller coaster, I would say. Um, you know, a red hot chili peppers uh, type sort of uh, scenario. But look, I, I kind of, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing how this season is going to play out. And um, how about yourself, Doctor T? You, you've actually got a team. Your team is actually in the finals. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've got a lot of opinions and thoughts about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is for how much longer? <laughs> I think that's what everyone's mm. been asking, <laughs> the Eels. Mm. You know, there's uh, th- there's been so many people wanting the Eels to go out in straight sets. And, uh, well, the first half of that has happened. <laughs> they lost to the, the, the Panthers. Uh, but I did, you know, I, I did say, and we'll talk about it later, that, you know, the, the coveted number four spot means that, you will never have to meet the Panthers again until the grand final, assuming you win all the rest of your games. So, yeah, we we got that out of the way. But at least we we don't have to, uh, you know, have to see them again <laughs> until the grand final, assuming we get there. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, look. There's a lot to talk about with the Eels. It's mm. uh, definitely uh, well. Look, the thing about these games is rugby league. I have to say. Uh, especially when it's crunch time, when it's finals, you know, when it's the big games, the internationals, the state of origins, games that really matter. And you know that the players are playing for their lives, you know, not not literally, but you know, they, they, they're kind of playing as if they are playing for their lives. Uh, it just, rugby league just continues to deliver. Very rarely do you get like a semi-final game where it's just like a nothing nothing happens <laughs> nothing exciting uh you know so rugby league has certainly delivered week 1 of the grand uh, of the NRL final series this year 2022 has delivered four epic hmm. games so much so that we've decided to devote an entire tackle to each of those reviews uh, each of those reviews a uh, game reviews because there's just so much wow. that happened in all of those games and I think, uh, yeah, absolutely, it's worth talking about all of those games. But um, look, before we dive into the six tackles, uh, we do uh, we do have to acknowledge that uh, you know a big world event, a global of global significance occurred. Uh, I think it was last Friday, our time here in Australia. Uh, the Queen of England passed away, and uh, yeah, very very sad. A lot of emotions uh, that a lot of Australians are uh you know traveled over there already to to sort of witness all the 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 various kind of processions and things that go on as as they we farewell the queen uh in the usual uh in the usual manner Uh, a lot of kind of religious and and ceremony ceremonies etc but then there's also the transition to king charles the third so who we call prince charles not not that long ago is now king charles the third so um you know what does this have to do with rugby league? Well, you know rugby league was born in the heart of England, and so I think uh, you know this. This one goes out to our our brothers and sisters over there in uh, in the UK who follow rugby league from afar, for the NRL from afar, but who follow uh, also the the UK Super League over there. Uh, you know our heart goes out to you guys. Uh, it's a really big occasion. Uh, very very sad Uh, you know lots of people have stories of the queen and and the royal family especially the queen and and her her duty and her service to to the community and uh, and to her people basically uh, uh, is something that a lot of people are, are talking about as as you hear in all these uh all these stories and eulogizing about the queen so um yeah like really a lot a lot going on globally and uh and and yes, yeah, so I just sort of wanted to mention that that we'll we'll dedicate this podcast episode to the Queen uh, of England, the the departed Queen of England, and uh, rest in peace and and best wishes to, and condolences to the to the royal family over there. Um, yeah, and and from from a rugby league point of view, thank you for uh, for supporting the growth of the game. I mean, we've got um, I think we've got Prince. Uh, is is he still Prince Harry? <laughs> I don't know what he is now. Mm-hmm. He might have changed his title, but you know, supporting uh supporting rugby league. Uh, you know, is he the I think he's the is he the patron, I think, of, of the Rugby League World Cup. You know, so we've we've had connections with the royal family through the rugby league world cup that's happening later this year. So um yeah, that's gonna have an interesting uh, be an interesting kind of uh, situation there uh, with with what's happened. But look, yeah, I just wanted to send, send that message out there before we launch into it. Uh, Tish, do you have anything you wanted to add?
1: Well, yeah, look, I think like, uh, you know, like a lot of people, this is kind of the first Succession I've ever seen, like you know, and um, you know, and it is quite heartwarming. It feels like uh, the entire Commonwealth is like one big family, right? And everybody's there to sort of, you know, showing up at um, the palace to actually give their condolences and to support the family through the tough time. And it is really great to see uh, the community. You know, we've all um, had a really bad run of it in the last few years and to see that, like, you know, uh, there's you know, this type of, even though it is a sad thing, it's actually brought a lot of people together, which I think was, has been quite interesting, so so look, are, are there and then look, there's plenty of questions about different titles and different roles you know, I suppose my question uh, that I, the only question that for me is unanswered when it comes to, you know, who, you know, what's everybody's new title, is um, what happens to King Wally Lewis now? What's his new title, and and how does uh is isn't isn't uh Alan Langer the prince? How does that work now? So, any thoughts on that, Doctor T?
0: Look, I don't know. King Gutho, is he is he King Gutho the first or the third or the second? I don't <laughs> know. There's 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 too many King Gutho first. The, mm. You know, and what happens to Scotty Prince? Does he become Scotty King? I mean, you know, you remember your Tigers player? You know, remember him? Anyway, uh, look, yeah, look, uh, who knows? What happens to the
1: Aldi, what happens to the Aldi brand? What happens to the Aldi brand, Prince? Does that now become King?
0: (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, You know, (laughs) all all we know is that Burger King will not change uh, and also has not sponsored this program. But anyway, let's move on to our six (laughs) tackles we've got we've got a lot to get through yep uh tackle number one here we go all right tackle number one our uh well, let's, we'll do a quick wrap-up of NRL Finals Week 1, and then we'll dive into each game. The uh, quick wrap-up is the Panthers defeated the Eels in uh, the, the first game, 27 points to 8. The Canberra Raiders, 28 to 20, have knocked out the Melbourne Storm sensationally as well. Uh, the Queen, North Queensland Cowboys, 32 to 30, in, in sudden death against the Sharks. Uh, and... The South Sydney Rabbitohs, 30, have defeated. The Sydney Roosters, 14, knocking them out of the finals series as well. So, you know, we've lost the Storm and the Roosters, who were two of the most highly favoured teams, Uh, especially the Roosters. I thought there was a lot going on, uh, you know. But before we dive into, I guess, each game individually, I guess I wanted to sort of ask, you know, if you were to sort of summarise what were your highlights for of of this round, what would you or, or your observations about the the games collectively? What would you
1: say? Well, look, I, yeah, I, I think I mentioned right off the top of that. I think it was a bit of a roller coaster. I think all I've got to say, probably, look, all games, both you know, I'd say were competitive for the most part. Um, you know, obviously the Panthers game, you know, we're gonna talking about that very shortly but like you know I think Parramatta fell a little bit away after Moses got injured but like you know the, the other games went down the right. we even saw an a, you know an extra time game and a golden point um you know finish to one of the games which is which is quite good and um yeah I, I think everything each game was sort of different in its own way as well like you know it wasn't like it was a bit of a variety, right, like in terms of, you know, the type of action that we were seeing. So, um, yeah, and, and look, I think the the wash out of it is that two of the big heavyweights are out, which might mean for a lot of people thinking that, you know, Penrith's got a clear run in now. So I don't know what your thoughts about that is, Dr. T.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting point, Uh Look, either way you look at it, the, the Panthers are the team to beat. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, but but I think the Panthers, mm. having said that, if you look at who's remaining, I mean, out of the remaining teams, I think they'd be scared of, what, of the other side of the draw. And I think when you've got, uh, well, actually, is it the other side of the draw? Well, you definitely got the Eels on the mm. other side of the draw. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that they'll probably be a little bit worried about that. Coming for them is the yep. South Sydney Rabbitohs, and and I'm I fear from what we saw. Um, look again back to the point about what were the highlights. I I thought in many ways the South Sydney Rabbitohs were kind of the most impressive team on the weekend, um, and the reason I say that is yeah. The, and we we'll t- again we will talk about all these games anyway in depth, but the Panthers kind of got on top of the Eels. Uh, you know, after a uh, well, really after Moses got knocked out, basically, that's when that was the turning point. Um, and until that time, people are forgetting it was actually eight six in favor of uh, uh, of the eels. And so, or was it eight? Yeah, eight, eight seven. Sorry, in favor of the eels. Um, <clears throat> so, so really, and yeah. it was. I forget. It was probably like 10-20 minutes into the second half. Uh, it was only after that big shift and change in the parameter lineup where they had to adjust and they didn't when when we started to see the, the Nathan Cleary kind of masterclass, as they call it, which we'll talk about soon as well. Um, so I don't think the Panthers were that impressive, even though their scoreline was the most of a, the most blowout compared to the others. Um Canberra were kind of okay, okay, impressive enough against Melbourne, but I think Melbourne Melbourne have definitely been you know a, sh- a shadow of themselves in the last month or so in the NRL. Um, the Sharks and the Cowboys, I felt uh, there was, I think quality-wise, I don't think it, it was up to the standard that we've come to expect. It was an exciting finish, but I think really the Souths yeah. and... Sydney Roosters one, in my opinion, despite the controversy, despite the the crazy, surreal nature of the game, which we will talk about in depth, uh, I just sort of felt that, despite all the odds, the fact that South Sydney kind of regrouped and did what they had to do against one of the you know the 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 scary teams in the competition, the Roosters shows that they've got something in them and they, uh, they've got premiership potential. And I think mm. that would scare the Panthers because they need to get past whoever wins out of the Sharks or the Rabbitohs. And uh, yeah, that, that's uh, this weekend and that's going to be a very, very interesting game. Uh, but yeah, the, I think the Panthers would be a bit, bit worried about what's in front of them. Um, so yeah, um, look, anyway, so that's my, that's my take. Uh, we're going to talk about thin bin Sunday as well, the Sydney <laughs> Roosters and the Rabbitohs game. That, that is uh, that is definitely a big talking point. So, look, without any further ado, let's just jump into the the in-depth review, shall we? So here we go, tackle number two. All right, tackle number two, it's the review of the Panthers 28, uh, sorry, 27 to eight victory against the Eels. Uh, it was a Penrith home game, 21,863 fans. Uh, really, you know, a great home crowd. Uh, it ended up being four tries to one. Um, and, uh uh, and obviously four conversions for Cleary One for Mitchell Moses So, you know, perfection in terms of conversions A penalty goal each And also a field goal for Nathan Cleary So Nathan Cleary scored uh, scored a lot But we talk about the masterclass And uh, if you look at when the tries were scored You've got Brian Toll, 15th minute Oregon Kafusi, 28th minute uh, at halftime, it was 7-6 in favour of the Panthers. Uh, not long after halftime, I think in it was a 46th minute, we've got a penalty to the Eels, which brings it to 8-7. So the Eels were ahead until the 51st minute. So five minutes after that, uh, Brian Toole scored. Uh, I don't remember exactly when um, when when was it that Mitchell Moses got injured let me just see if I can look scroll through the, uh, the NRL website to see <laughs> to see when this happens uh, it was the uh, oh, here we go I oh, no, that's not right uh, I can't work it out oh there you go um, I can't work out when he got he got replaced which is really weird uh, there was a HIA at some point. Well, I'll look it up. But anyway, um, yeah, look, I, I think what happened – oh, here we go, 59th minute. So it was, actually, uh, it was actually a little bit after I thought it was. Um, but, yeah, uh, basically the uh, there was a try to the, the Panthers, um, and, and then Mitchell Moses gets uh, – HIA doesn't come back. Yeah, twenty or so minutes to go, and yes, the Panthers were ahead, uh, but I think the Mitchell Moses going off really killed the the Eels. Uh, the momentum that the Panthers had just kept going. Um, mm. The the excellent excellent play. You, you got to give credit to Nathan Cleary for his uh, running at the line fearlessness. Of running at the line, uh, doing some really great, great ball playing moves there, and really attacking the line, the defensive line of the Eels, uh, you know, led to two quick tries in succession. Dylan Edwards, James Fisher-Harris. I think the Dylan Edwards one was a actually a kick to Dylan Edwards, which was amazing. So you look at the end of the day, you can't take away that Nathan Cleary took the game by the scruff of the neck as they say when the opportunity Mm. presented itself which it did and the eels just didn't know what to do and i think the defensive lapses of the eels um especially with jake arthur jacob arthur coming on the his poor defensive reads he had i think three mistakes in the 20 minutes that he was there uh three or four mistakes which was just really unforgivable at this at this late stage uh and, and I think that really put a lot of pressure on the Eels. And let's not forget the other thing that, uh, that, that's that that been mentioned in terms of the Nathan Cleary masterclass was, um, I think it was Gutho said, he kicked us to death, meaning his excellent kicking game, his bombs. Uh, to poor old Wungo Blake couldn't catch a cold, couldn't catch COVID in a COVID super spreader event. Wow. That's how bad he was. He was terrible. I mean, he was... Literally, kind of high school, high school level, uh, just absolutely shocking. <laughs> and and I think questions need to be asked of Brad Arthur. What's he going to do about those mistakes? Because we were in it. We were in the game until uh, until those really bad defensive reads and and continually poor. Uh, Poor completion rate. The The completion rate in the second half was terrible for the Eels. So, look, I'm going to end my rant, yeah. because otherwise I could go on for another 80 minutes. But I think, uh, you know, as an Eels fan, I certainly look at missed opportunities and the fact that they need to do better next time. They need to complete their sets, give themselves a chance. Um, and And, look, whatever happened to... If you know that you've got a gun player on the other side, like a Nathan Cleary, double-team him, you know? Uh, get get so get an enforcer out there to, to you know, hit him a bit harder than usual. You know, get a Tommy Radonikus-type fella. Like, instead, it seemed like we just mm. stood back and let Nathan Cleary play his game. And I think that's a real lesson for any team going up against the Panthers. You've got to have that killer instinct. You can't just sit back because they will destroy you because they've got too many good players. So, you anyway, know, I'll stop yeah. talking. Tish, what is your view on what happened in that game?
1: Yeah, look, um, look, I wholeheartedly. I think, I think you know, the Parramatta, when in big games, um, you know, they they usually have a very high completion rate, um, you know, but they didn't hear, Like they sort of dropped off in the second half, and I think that 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 really hurt them. Then, you know, not completing your sets, you're all of a sudden, not creating that pressure in defence, um, particularly on the create players like the Clearys, like you know, the Jerome Lewis and et cetera, et cetera. So I think think not having that pressure and I think, um, you know, complete and compete, right, is kind of where I I sum up the perfect game for the Eels where they complete their sets, then they compete on the kick, Um, you know, because Moses has a great kicking game. And I think obviously once he left the field, it kind of, um, you know, they kind of lost a bit of confidence. So, yeah, look, you know, it was kind of, you know, they're a team that has quite a lot of swagger, uh, Parameter throughout the season. Uh, but I felt like they kind of were down on swagger a little bit. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Penrith, they're they just keep on rolling, don't they? They're, they're just uh, clinical, um, they're like a big juggernaut, right? They just seem to be able to show up. And you know, Nathan Cleary five weeks out, um, and you you know, it, it, it looked like he didn't miss a beat. Obviously he wasn't injured, so he was training throughout the whole thing. There was uh, rumors, Dr. T that what they actually did um for the week to prepare, or I think for the last two weeks, they anticipate apparently they anticipated Parramatta would be their opponent and they got their younger grades to actually simulate how Parramatta play. And that's how they trained. Like training against a simulation of um you know of Parramatta, so if that <laughs> is the case, like i got to, it's it's like next level with the Panthers, right? Like, is is that really what that happened? So yeah, but um,
0: well, I, I gotta like say, as as look- sorry, as a Eels fan, I would say it felt like I was watching a simulation of a Neils side. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go, and look, Wonga Blake, Wonga Blake, I don't know, uh, you know, look, put it this way, if uh if you um, you know, if if you were in a life and death situation, and you you know Wongabake is trying to defuse a bomb, um, <laughs> he's going to cut the wrong wire, isn't he? Like, like he, I don't know what happens. Like he just forgot how to catch. Like you know, <laughs> like is, so, if, yeah. if he was if he was
0: in if he was in like uh, an old show MacGyver or A Team, he would be the guy that. That they'd just go no, please don't do it. <laughs> you know they'd be coaching him through how to <laughs> how to defuse yep. the bomb, and he'd still get it wrong. Uh, look, it, it was embarrassing. It was really yep. embarrassing, and <laughs> he's the poor kid. He's probably lost a lot of confidence. But look, mm. he's had. I, I think the sentiment that I've, I'm getting from a lot of the fans online is that you know. While ever we have, uh, like, Wonga Blake has been a bit of a liability in defense during the year. Uh, yes, he can score tries, but he his, abil- his ability to kind of, you know, cause, uh, cause problems in our defensive line, kind of, does that make up for it? I don't know. A lot of people are saying, you know, he should be dropped. I mean, Brad Arthur doesn't seem to be dropping players for poor performance, and then... This, you get the same... Re- well, what is that thing about, you know, madness, uh, A sign of madness is when you just repeat the same things expecting a different result? You know, it's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. If you just keep the same players in and don't bring in new blood, how will you ever, you know, how will you get better performance out of these players? It's, it's just, it's mind-boggling. And, you know, the other thing is while we needed someone out there to take the game to the Panthers, we had Bryce Cartwright sitting on the bench and we brought Jacob Arthur in and he just did not, you know, didn't do what need, what was needed. Dylan Brown went missing as well. A lot of people are saying, what happened to Dylan Brown, Gutho? Mm. A lot of these players that generally step up have, did not step up at all. Yeah. So look, um, very, very, very odd situation, whichever way you look at it. Um, and very disappointing. And yeah, like I said, uh, it felt like we were watching a simulation of the eels, it's, uh, we, we saw two sides of the eels in the one game. And unfortunately, I can't be too harsh on them because I think a lot of it has to do with what happened with Moses. And I think uh, that was the turning point. Uh, I believe it just went all downhill from there and we never recovered. Uh, we were still in the game at that point, um, but it just, we never really recovered. So anyway, um, do yeah. you have a final word? Otherwise, well, we move I've on to got the next to say. One.
1: Well, Parramatta—they've got to play again this week. Um, so, look, we're going to have two talking points, uh, two scenarios. One is how Parramatta turned it around, and two, <laughs> what will be the future of, of Brad Arthur's coaching? <laughs> right. I think I think we're uh, we're poised to have a big week next week after uh, after how the eels go this week so yeah
0: that's right yeah let's let's talk about that later when we talk about pr- the, our round or uh, well, week two predictions but yeah absolutely uh that a lot on the line there all right let's go on to tackle number three The Canberra Raiders sensationally dumped the Melbourne Storm out of the competition 28-20 to in front of a a 20,838 crowd at Amy Park in Melbourne. It was the Saturday uh, evening, sorry, I guess the twilight game, Uh, and uh, it was exciting end-to-end football, five tries to four uh, in favour of the Raiders, and the key one being... Uh, the Jordan Rapina one in uh, the 73rd minute, which closed out the game. But, yeah, it was the kind of game that the, the lead changed uh, several times. It was back and forth all over the place. Um, it was uh, it was 16-8, though, at halftime. So I think, I think it's fair to say that the Raiders, uh, you know, once they got on the front foot, they never really kind of... Uh, uh, you know, got behind, uh, in, in, in the sense that the, there was, uh, uh the, the well, actually, I said the lead change, but it did initially, but then eventually the, the Canberra Raiders settled in into a, a comfortable lead. But the, the Storm were always there fighting back, uh, until, until it was too late, and then the Raiders shut them out in the last like 15 minutes or so uh, of the game. And, and, yeah, look, uh, the the, talk, the key talking point here is uh, uh, there was a, a famous falcon that led to a try. I think uh, it wasn't – it was a, the Jordan <laughs> Rappina – it, it bounced off Rappina's head, I think, and it went uh, – who was it? Was that uh, – I forget who it was that scored the try on the side there. But, uh, but, yeah, that was a bit of a highlight reel moment there. For uh, for the Raiders, uh, a lot of people are actually saying that that should be disallowed because you know um, it kind of looks ridiculous that it looked like it it bounced off his head, went forward, and then the Canberra the Canberra player got the ball and scored, uh, and it just feels like it doesn't feel right, does it? It feels like it was a forward pass, <laughs> and yeah, I wonder whether in future teams will do mm. things like that deliberately. I don't know, but look. The Raiders, you know, how, how could you
1: describe yeah. what they did to the Storm? Well, I'm trying to figure they, uh, out which player yeah. it was. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, look, I was trying to figure out which player it was that actually had uh, this attributed to them. Um, but yeah, it was it was funny. But look, I thought the Raiders they they dominated this game really. And uh, their forward path probably the in the competition and they've got experience. Um and you know, particularly their two props, they're sort of kind of amazing, right? The way the that they could move go forward. I think Jamar Fogarty, he, he had a brilliant solo try as well. Um and you know, he kicked four out of five goals. So he's he was definitely a sharpshooter when it came to you know, the conversions. Um, but look, Canberra across the park. Can, I'm trying to think of any player that sort of outplayed their opposition, you know, from any position. Probably, I'd say Munster, probably the only one. But, like, you know, Munster wears a six. He plays fullback. He's he's kind of like everything and everywhere. And I think this is where the experiment of him having it a full, fullback doesn't really work because he's too busy... Doing too many things that you don't really get the I think the quality decision making uh because there's a fatigue in in Monster when it comes to actually them attacking. On the other end, I think Canberra, yeah, I think that the look, I mean, I didn't know that if you could actually uh you know, you can actually like the ball could hit your head and it's and travel forward and it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't constitute as a forward pass. I just I just think that maybe, you know, this is a good opportunity to, you know, for teams to actually exploit this rule and actually use a header, you know, like they do in football. Like, you know, you, you sort of pass it to your, you deliberately pass it to your, to, uh, you know, a player standing in front of you who then, you know, heads the ball forward. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, yeah. Maybe this
1: it's... is the, the new way forward, Dr. T. Yeah. I
0: don't know. It's too risky though, I would think.
1: Yeah, you don't, you don't have that much control over it,
0: right? No, that's right. But look, uh, my uh, my comments on on this game as well, I'm looking at the stats, the team stats on the NRL.com website, and I have to say it's very difficult to see where the Raiders, if you just look at the stats, it's very hard to see where the Raiders won and lost, uh, where this game was won and lost. And just because there are some, some of the key stats... You know, were in favor of, uh, of, of the the storm. You know, despite the fact there were nine bombs to two in favor of the Raiders, the kick diffusal was heavily in favor of uh, or a little bit in favor of the storm. So it's not like they they were unable to diffuse the bombs that the Raiders threw at them. Uh, you know, you look at other things, kicking meters, I think is where potentially the Raiders had a better kicking game and they had, they gained more ground. Uh, they were at least, you know, almost like 50% better than, uh, than the Melbourne Storm 649 metres to 440. Um, but most of the other stats don't really paint an easy picture of what happened here. I think it just boils down to the Raiders just muscled their way into this game and did what they needed to do and and didn't really let the storm play their natural game I think you're right Munster being a fullback doesn't really make much sense I don't know what uh, you know why why Bellamy decided to do that and and not sort of play to his strengths and I think since he started doing that the the team has sort of faltered. and and uh, I wonder if he's uh, well you he, he, can't really have much more time to think about it because i'm hearing rumors that Munster's off to the dolphins next year so i think this mm. could be it for uh for the the, the era of the storm is uh it, the eye of the storm has passed and i think it'll dissipate so uh,
1: yeah on the downhill uh the melbourne storm it looks like for next year but um look they they seem to always have the you know the storm factory of new players that sort of take over so you know, I think interesting days ahead for Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm for next year. And, uh, you know, it's so surprising that we're going into week two of the finals and uh, the Storm bow out.
0: Yeah, totally an an unfamiliar scenario for us, but uh, there you go. All right, so I think we are up to tackle
1: number four. Here we go.
0: All right, Sharks versus Cowboys. The Cowboys won this one 32 to thirty, uh, in front of a very poor crowd, twelve thousand four hundred forty-seven, at PointsBet Stadium. Uh, now, I'm I'm not sure if I'm uh, that it's one of the other betting, <laughs> one of the four or five betting companies that uh, that have a presence in rugby league. I think this is the Shark Park. This is what points bet stadium is. So a very, very poor crowd there, but it was five tries apiece, piece. Uh, and, and of course the key factor there is that uh, Valentine Holmes scored a, uh, a, a field goal uh, after, I, I think it was in golden, what, what they call golden point. Uh, so there was five minutes uh, each way of uh, extra time, where it wasn't golden point. And then after that, they went to golden point. And within two minutes, Valentine Holmes scored a... Uh, well, actually, it was a two-point field goal. It was outside of the 40-meter range. It was a humongous kick. And uh, as soon as he hit it, he knew it was on its way. And the Cowboys ended up winning. I felt that for the majority of the match, the Sharks probably felt like they were the better team. But towards the end, I, I got the sense that the, the Cowboys were... Uh, kind of gaining momentum. Jason Tamalola scored that last try in the 79th minute to allow them to go uh, within two points, and then Valentine Holmes scored a a conversion on the buzzer to send them to extra time. So Valentine Holmes, the hero of this game for the Cowboys, did what he needed to do in clutch situations. Um, they're on the high at the moment, the Cowboys, but Tish, what do you think about this game?
1: Well, look, what I thought, out of all the games this week, this game probably had the best tries. There were some uh, long-range tries from both teams. I think both teams' attack is probably the strength of both of their teams. So it was kind of, you know, really exciting to watch from that point of view. Obviously, there were some really bad defensive (laughs) reads on the flip end as well. And, um, you know, you you, you kind of felt that it was going to be a bit of a try first. And then, yeah, as you said, it went into uh, extra time, and then it went into golden point uh, time as well, where it, I think the referee said that we're just going to have golden point until until there's a result, right? Um, what I actually felt, because I actually felt that like, you know, this extra time period where it's like five minutes each way and uh, it, there was no points scored. But if there was points scored, you just keep playing until the end of the 90 minute period. I just felt that look, since we're already in the Golden Point era, like I feel like this extra time was like from a past, you know, e- you know, era where, where you didn't have uh you know, a way to uh, determine a result like we have now with Golden Point. I kind of feel it was pointless, <laughs> really, because both teams did nothing, right? They were all out attack for, for for eighty minutes of the game. And this extra time period, they just it was just like a hit up of you know, a hit hit up a thon right that's all they they did and then they went into golden point and I think the cowboys they just um you know they had a better game plan to get to their to their field goal um which kind of is a bit surprising as well because like i thought that the sharks it wasn't that long ago where they actually kicked a field goal to beat south city in an in, in extra time as well so yeah I think you know uh the sharks they kind of lost a bit of steam throughout the game and then, yeah, the Cowboys took full advantage and, you know, another win to Todd Payton. I think this game uh, seals him as probably coach of the year and, um, you know, another win in Sydney, which I think is very important for these guys. Um, But, you know, their first final series in a a, a number of seasons, they probably have a a lot to work on in the next two weeks to get themselves ready um, for you know, their, you know, their next final, because like, I feel like they're a little, you know, they're a little probably need to get their defense a bit more in order. Um, But yeah, a few things to work on for the Cowboys, definitely. But yeah, good to see these teams in the final series, I'd say once again, but yeah, just, uh, just the Cowboys are not, um, yeah, Cowboys winning the Sharks. I I do fear for them uh, uh, this week, obviously playing 90 minutes, and then losing, and now having to back up against a team that has just won an epic sort of battle against their rival. So, uh, you know, so, so let's see how they go. But I think, yeah, I think you're right, Dr. T. Out of all the games, probably this one was probably the one that you probably deem as as not the high quality. But I've got to say, still just as excited with the tries. Um, maybe Shark Park had to do with it. You know, the construction site at the back and the poor lighting in the stadium, it doesn't really doesn't it didn't really feel like a semi-final match in many ways your thoughts
0: yeah yeah I think you're right I think probably that's the way it certainly came across but also if you look at like for me the the stat that really brought it out was uh, missed tackles 54 to the sharks and 40 to the cowboys and that is like you know, that's like fifty percent more than I think most of the other games. Um, it's not a good, not a good. Well, let me just confirm. I don't want to. Well, look, it's it was well, it was more than the Storm and the Raiders uh, when you look at it. But um, but yeah, oh, let me have a look at where's the the Roosters one. Roosters one was probably off the charts as well because of, of the, the number of symbi that's another thing we're gonna talk about very very shortly no actually the Roosters and Rabidos 2923 so again sharks 5440 in the missed tackles <laughs> that that to me and I got the sense watching the game as exciting as it was at the end that there was just it wasn't as intense didn't feel as intense uh, and it just felt like a bit of a loose loose game and uh, compared to the other finals games. And, and I think that sort of showed in it was extremely high scoring and lots of missed tackles. So, um, but yeah, look, what this does is the important thing, which is it allows the Cowboys to take that week off this week and come back for the grand final qualifiers in week three of the finals. And that puts them at a significant advantage because it also means that they are not going to have to meet the the number one side, the Penrith Panthers, the minor premiers, until and if they make the grand final. And so, again, you know, this game, uh, depending on what, what happened with the Eels and the Panthers, you know, it ended up being that the winner of this game is the is what you know where you want to be. You wanted to avoid mm. the Panthers at all costs, and unfortunately, the Sharks didn't quite get that memo <laughs> towards the end because they allowed the Cowboys to sneak in. That you know, there was they had it all going for them, and then a last minute try. And I think it, to me, it was just the game that the Sharks lost at the end through lack of intensity. And I think that yeah. that's that's the message for them is they need to improve that. Yeah, but so yeah. Um, you know, I was let's. Well, I was going to say, unless you have anything else, let's move on to tackle number five. The final game of week one was held on uh, Sunday afternoon in what we will now deem Sinbin Sunday because of the controversies uh, coming out of this game. It was a Rabbitohs 30-14 over the Roosters at Allianz Stadium in front of a massive, uh, well, big enough, 39,498 crowd. A really great crowd there at Allianz Stadium. It was five tries to three, Two tries again to Alex Johnston. He seems to continually find ways to get, get across the line. So five tries to three. Uh, four. Sin- I think the key stat is four sin bins to three. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ber- Thomas Burgess, Tarn Milne, Tavita Talola, and Tarn Milne again. Mm. And for the Rabbitohs and for the Roosters, Victor Radley, in the fourth minute, Jared Warrior Hargraves and then Victor Radley again. <laughs> so two players ended up getting a, a double there. Uh, and it was 12-8 at halftime. So the, the Rabbitohs obviously went on with it. But uh, look, the key controversy out of this was uh, the sin bins and, and a lot of people saying Ashley Klein, the referee, lost control of the game. Uh, you know, he, he should have done better. In fact, a lot of the media has really come down hard on the uh, the, the referee, Ashley Klein, for losing control. And and look, you know, the, quite aside from the game itself, there is that, that sort of topic for debate, which we can debate now if we like, what is, uh, who is to blame for what happened? I, I sort mm. of tend to view that it's not, you know... It's the re- the players need to, you know, shoulder a lot of the blame for the way that they kept continually trying to, you know, flout the rules. A lot of those sim bins were for head high tackles. There were uh, how many HIAS? There were quite a few HIAS. So it's yep. not like as if uh, these it was just a tough kind of game. It was a tough game with a lot of grubbery involved, and yep. uh, and I think that's the key thing here. Um, but yeah, there was a there was a lot of and not all of them were HIA's, but there was definitely a lot of high tackles. So I think at the end of the day, you know what more can the referee do but penalise and then sin bin uh, for serious infringements or foul play? Um, what more? What more do people want a referee to do? I mean, yeah. he could give them a stern talking to, talk to the captains once in a while. But at the end of the day the referee's got a whistle and the ability to send players off. And he did that. And even then yeah. <laughs> it kept getting worse after halftime. It got worse and worse and worse. And it, and it wasn't, uh, it, it was almost, uh, you know, it was almost ex- exciting to see whether a, a sin bin occurred. It was almost like a try. I, I found myself celebrating, mm. you know, every time there was a <laughs> it, sin bin, there's another, there's another one mm. and another one. It was a bit like that. Um, Tish, look, yeah, let's get into it—the game itself, but also the—who's uh, to blame? Referees or or players? What's what's
1: your view? Well, look, you know, uh, maybe I should uh, give it a tea. Uh, do you think this was a good game? Um,
0: yes, yes, I do, because I think despite the fact that there were Simbins, I thought that it. The situation was definitely pressure cooker. Mm. It's, it's a bit like Origin. Yeah, it was like an old style Origin where there was a lot of grubbery and a lot of niggle yeah. and this, that, the other. But the, the the at the end of the day, it allowed the best of the best to come to the fore. And I think the fact that the fact that when teams went mm. down at one point, I think the Rabbitohs were down to eleven men or something, and <laughs> yeah, which is just still scored a know, try, but.
1: Two, your, exactly,
0: unbelievable. So they had at 18th and 19th minute, they had two sin bins and they ended up then scoring a try in the 23rd, uh, no, in the 22nd minute. So while they had two players down, they ended up scoring a try, which is not what you would expect. But to me, it showed a lot of character. And I think it happened again in, in uh, uh, the, the, the 60th and 65th minute, two of the Rabbitohs players got Simbin, as well as Victor Radley. But in the so they were basically playing 12 on 11 at that point uh, for about 10, you know, five minutes or so. And uh, in the 71st minute, uh, they scored a try. So again, despite being down, they they ended up using that to their advantage and still attacking and not not giving in. And I think that to me, if you're asking what was the game like? Well, like I said, despite the fact that there were sim beans, it felt like an old-style origin game. Uh, but, yeah, very good quality game, though. Really good quality game. What about you? Yeah.
1: Well, look, I think... Um, look, I, I enjoyed it from... The, look, you couldn't turn away, right? You know, because there's always something happening. You didn't know what would happen next. It was a great game to watch on TV. I, I'm, I would have loved to be there live, even though I don't support any of these teams. Uh, but you know, it would have been a great game to see live, and like you know, just, just, just the whole atmosphere, as you said, pressure cooker, do or die. This is kind of a repeat from last week's game, um, and yeah, it was, it was a great theater. But it was very grubby, right? And it, <laughs> it it was uh yeah. And the interesting thing is, I mean, look, I know I think the Channel Nine commentators really laid into the referee at the start of the game for the first in-bin for Victor Bradley. Um, and they're saying he didn't throw a punch where I clearly saw a fist, all right? You know, and I'm thinking if you know that punching is outlawed, <laughs> like why even make that gesture, you know? It's like the most silliest thing and, the, you know, they're older than grad. So I feel like, you know, and and so and then, you know, the, the what the talk has been is that that was actually quite a low bar to send somebody off. But, you know, by sending somebody off on a on a fairly low incident, according to some people's opinions, wouldn't that suggest then that, hey, hang on, guys, let's not do anything too grubby here because we might get a player sent off. But they clearly didn't listen to the message, right? It it seems to amp things up even more, right? Because, like, yeah, people were getting head-eyed and, like... You know, there was um, t- Tom <laughs> Tom Burgess. You know, he had hired Tedesco, which ended up being Tedesco. He wasn't able to pass his HIA when it was out. And I think that was a really big loss for the Roosters. You know, they needed that attack weapon. They had Joseph Sawali play fullback, who was a bit... Um, he was actually quite good to begin with. But then as the game, game wore on, I, I noticed that they weren't really u- utilising him much in that fullback role. So I don't think... Um, you know, the Roosters have the confidence in him to be the attacking weapon uh, as a fullback, the way they use Tedesco. So, you know, but but anyway, but going back to that, Sam Burgess, he head high as uh, Tedesco. Tedesco has to leave the field. And then, like, within the next set, he, you know, similar sort of sin bin, like, similar sort of um, uh, similar sort of head high. And then you can even hear Ashley Klein say, Look, mate, I gave you the benefit of the doubt, but you just, but like your very next tackle that you try, attempted to make, it's it's also high i can't you know so reckless like of course you got to give him 10 you know and then you know just moments later tane mill it's like he didn't even see what was going on right he just he just decided to like he, like he's was so careless as well and i'm thinking you know really once once uh, if it plays that he hears to the warning of um the referee what can they do so I think from that point of view, the you know I, I I really don't I can't blame Ashley Klein. You've got to blame the players. They've got to take the responsibility of 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 the fast that made it. Uh, but the other part of this game, which I, I quite didn't like, is that you had quite a few tackles where there would be, you know, a brushing of like you know the tackler's head, like you know arm on your head. And you stay down, right? Or you quench at the neck to try and get that penalty. You know there were, you know, players refusing to play the ball, waiting for the bunker to actually intervene, was quite ridiculous, and and it's kind of. You know how the NR have put them season, players stay down, and then the, and you could see that this is just getting way out of it. And uh, in the end, costing it's probably costing uh, results, changing rules. I mean, going back to Tigers and North Queensland, right? Same sort of thing, Bunker really without captain's challenge. You know, they've already decided that they're gonna do it, even though they really don't have any jurisdiction to do it. Same sort of thing here, like you know, um, just because a play goes down the bunker end up reviewing it, there's a stoppage in the game, and then all of a sudden, uh, penalty gets blown, or a penalty doesn't get blown, and then you just go back to playing. It really slowed the game down. I believe, you know, Channel 9 News, they, they had to start at 6.15 or something. <laughs> right, you know? So, uh, you know, I'm sure the, the fans of the block weren't happy. Right? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but look, a great game, and look, the Roosters, they're out. Aren't they? This is another question that I have for you, Dr. T. What do you think about potentially Robson losing his job, Trent Robinson? I know that sounds crazy, but let's think about it like this, right? His team Ben made the eight, they made their out in the round, but his assistant last year, you know, actually ends up second, right? And they're still in the competition. Like, isn't that a big Mm. bit of a blight on Trent Robinson?
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think this year they're going to sort of argue that there are injuries and, you know, there's also some young players coming through and there's a bit of a rebuilding phase. And I think what we'll never know is whether, with Tedesco on the field, whether they would have won this game. Because he only really played for, like, Twenty minutes or so and so that really I mean like I said there's 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 all these what-ifs you know with with Mm -hmm. Moses the Moses situation when he went off the Eels were in front exactly the same score I think oh no it wasn't the same score but it was uh I think in this game it was 8-6 in favor of the yeah that's right, it was 8-6 in favor of the Roosters uh and so they had held the lead for, I don't know, what, five minutes or so, something like that. And and then Tedesco gets knocked out and uh, HIA no return. And it still took a little while, a few minutes, but not that long until we got a try from Latrell Mitchell uh, to put the Rabbitohs ahead. And mm. then from that point on, they never really re- recovered the, the Roosters. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at it that way, it's exactly like what happened with uh, with with the Panthers. That, you know, once you get a critical player going off, it changes the nature of the game. Now, I think uh, with twenty minutes to go, it's a lot harder to adjust uh, your, um, I guess, your your backline and adjust your attacking play and your structures, etc. Um, and and I think. Uh, th- than it is when you've just played 20 minutes and you've got 60 to go. And I yeah. think maybe potentially back to the point about the the discipline is that, you know, I wonder whether, now I don't know if, if Teddy is would have stopped the, 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 the level of vitriol and feeling in the entire side, because I think there was also that underlying story about Latrell Mitchell playing against his former club as well. So there's definitely that kind of depth of feeling, but I wonder with Teddy going, you know, Captain Courageous, Captain of the Year, uh, you know, whether whether they lost the plot, um, you know, uh, the the Roosters, and 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 back to your point about Trem Robertson, I would argue that, you know, but for that injury, we might have seen the Roosters win that game. Uh, under yeah. normal circumstances, and in, in which case you'd think, well, that means that it puts them into the top six. Uh, they would then play the Sharks, Roosters v. Sharks. I would say, you know, at a minimum, I think people were expecting Roosters to play the Panthers uh, in in that grand final yeah. qualifier. And I think, yeah, disappointing. I don't think you can blame it on Trent Robertson's, uh, you know, coaching i think mm. you can blame it on a bunch of other factors and i think it was just such a surreal game uh but yeah and the roosters didn't have that killer instinct when it counted with it whereas the rabbitos did and i think uh yeah i mean look and, and maybe they're a bit overhyped as well i mean maybe there's a little bit too much hype about this rooster side uh when is it warranted i mean yeah. you know Maybe not. Maybe with the Sam Walkers and the Suallis and all those players, uh, they're coming through. They've still got a lot to learn. They're certainly not at the level of when the Roosters won that premiership a few years ago. Uh, and so, yeah, I think they're in a rebuilding phase. So I, I, think, um, I think it would be pretty harsh to, to, to want to kick him out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we'll look, up a bit. I'm just asking that question because obviously you've seen a, a great job that Fitzgibbon has done. Uh, at the Sharks, and then you know you sort of wonder like the Roosters sort of, you know, yeah. You know, according to their standards, they kind of dropped off where they were last year, right? So that's mm. that's where that is. But look, um, you we're know, the twenty twenty two known as the the coach sacking season, right? That's it's right. Quite that's a number right. already, and uh, yeah. So, so, so there we go. But look, you know, a great first round of of rugby league. But yeah, I think this get, yeah this is the, the game that I felt that was like it was must see TV, right? It was, it was it was it was it was good for some good reasons, but it was also good for some bad reasons too. So, um, but yeah, but but a great round of of finals rugby league, and uh, you know, I really looking forward to to this week's games for sure. All right, and on that
0: note, let's get into tackle number six: the tips. Uh, nothing like a bit of, uh, cat empire sounding music (laughs) to get you going for the tips. Uh, look, it's, it sounded also, also like a comedic kind of thing, which if you look at our tips this week, you would kind of not listen to us from here on in because I got one out of four and you got two out of four. So we were not very accurate in our tips this weekend. But this brings you to a total of 143 and me to a total of 140 for the year. And uh, I've still got a chance to catch up, but uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. But let's see how we go. Uh, coming up, we've got the two games. So let me just recap. the. Now that we know what happened with uh, the round one or week one games, we now see uh, a bit of the rest of the the uh, the structure, the format, ...of The finals is has now taken shape and is fixed. And this is what it looks like Penrith have with that win have gone to straight to the preliminary final, they call it, or the grand final qualifier uh, is what they used to call it. It will be played on the 24th of September at Accor Stadium. Uh, so, this is the big Sydney Stadium uh, now that means and they will now play the winner of the sharks and south sydney uh in contrast the north queensland goes straight to week 3 now they are playing are they is that true they're playing a home game queensland country bank stadium mm. uh they get a home game uh, on the 23rd of september so does that is that a friday that's a I think that's a friday uh Possibly. Um, and they will play the winner yeah. of the, the Eels yeah, and the we'll Raiders.
1: The day before it.
0: That's that's right, that's right. Uh yeah. yes. And so Eels and Raiders will fight for a chance to play the North Queensland Cowboys for a chance to get into that grand final on the second of October. So now that we know what where the you know where, where the next few games are. Um, Let's get into the actual uh, games this weekend So first we've got the Friday night game 16th of September at Combank Stadium Which is the Parramatta Stadium basically So it's a Parramatta home game Parramatta will play the Canberra Raiders And uh, as far as I'm aware There aren't too many changes to uh, the the Eels lineup Which is surprising considering what we saw on the weekend, uh, Mitchell Moses is currently in the team list, uh, but you know there's obviously lots of eyes on him to make sure that he's going to pass his fitness test, etc. But no major changes as far as I can see for either of the teams. Um, and the the thing that gets me is that we've still got on named on the interchange bench, Jake Arthur. <laughs> I don't know what a halfback is doing in the midst of three forwards when you've got potentially in the reserves list a Nathan Brown and a Bryce Cartwright that can come in and play especially in a Bryce Cartwright situation play multiple positions in the back line and also add that spark in attack I don't know what what the problem is why that's happened but it is what it is the bookies are tipping the eels to win this one uh, and I think on the basis of well, even if Moses doesn't play, I still think the eels should be favorites for this one. I think uh, you know against the the Panthers, for sure, any team would have uh, capitulated if you lose your main playmaker as as we did with 20 minutes to go, um, hard to recover with that that uh, that deep into a game. But I think they did uh, you know, I, I think they can hopefully turn the page. I don't know whether Wonga Blake is is right uh, mentally uh, to be back there. Uh, I don't know who else they could pick in the reserves, but um, it is what it is. But in my view, the Eels should win this one. I don't see why they won't win this one. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know, Ricky Stewart maybe has some tricks up his sleeve. What do you think, Tish?
1: Well, look, I think this game is going to be one in the forwards because um, you've got uh, Papalihi and, uh, you know, and Tarpine going against Paul Law and Regan Campbell-Giller, right? That's that's going to be epic right there. Um, and then, you know, but then, you know, and also obviously with, uh, you know, Elliot Whitehead and uh, Corey Harawir, Naira, Ryan Madison, you know, Isaiah Papalihi, Sean Lane. Brilliant player this year, and I think Hudson Young have also had a standout season. Potentially, I've heard that both these guys may be in line for a Kangaroos jersey at the end of the year for the World Cup, which would be, um, you know, quite interesting. If if that was the case, you know, neither of them, I believe, neither of them have played Origin yet, but you know, which is which is quite interesting. So look, you know, across the part they're fairly evenly matched. Um, yeah, but I think obviously the key in or out for parramatta is obviously um you know Mitchell Moses what I would say is I think I think there are some performances from Parramatta that that you know there, there are some players that personally probably want to come back for this game and I think from that point of view I'm probably going to give the edge to Parramatta just slightly um but I <laughs> Look, I think it's going to be a difficult task as well Look, because I feel like Canberra have got nothing to lose and they're not the sort of team you want to play when they've got nothing to lose, right? Because, you know, nobody's really going to criticise them for doing anything since they've already knocked out Melbourne. So I think for me, I think Parramatta, going to bounce back, Uh, they've had plenty of time to recover. They've had an, an extra day than what Canberra have had. And I think that, you know, other than the Moses situation, I think everything else... Should be, yeah, should be there. So, paramount for me on this one.
0: All right. And, uh, so, yeah, me too, obviously. And the next one is the Sharks and the Rabbitohs. This is the Saturday night game. It'll be played at Allianz Stadium in Sydney. Uh, and, uh, look, this, the, the bookies are kind of leaning slightly towards the Rabbitohs and, um, The only major change is Tom Burgess is out due to a uh, suspension. I think he he copped a two-week suspension because of the high tackle. (laughs) What's that?
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, suspension. But it's interesting, Tane Mill survived even though he was Sinbin twice.
0: Well, you know that's you're right. I mean, it's, I don't know what to say. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, look, the Rabbitohs. I think uh, in my mind, they're the most dangerous of the remaining teams uh, to the Panthers uh, pre pre grand final, obviously. And and I think you know the Panthers will be looking at this one very carefully because I think if the Sharks win, they I I think the Panthers will easily take care of them. However, if the Rabbitohs win, I think the thing with the Rabbitohs is you've got, look, you've got too many uh, star players that that are unpredictable. You just don't know what they're going to do. So Latrell Mitchell is obviously the key one here. Uh, he's one of the main superstars, and and I think if he turns it on. Lookout sharks, and uh, uh, but then you've got the consistency of Alex Johnson, just knows how to find the try line, continues to break records quietly. Um, Cody Walker at number six, you know, needs to play well uh, and needs to play off Latrell Mitchell. Uh, if those two are firing, you've got a, a, and then Damien, throw Damien Cook in there. At number nine, and you've got a really strong uh, kind of rabbitos Look out also for Jai Arrow and Cameron Murray, who uh, who really are. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean they, especially Jai Arrow. He he has the potential to kind of be that danger strike strike forward that can play in the centres in a way, and he kind of they play him in the centres a little bit. And, and he seems to be doing really well there. So I think, you know, again, there's stars all over the place. Sharks as well. Look, the Sharks, I'll be looking at Talakai. Uh, he's been pretty quiet, uh, unfortunately. Matt Moylan and Nico Hines are really the two key points here, two key players here. Um, if they can, uh, you know, get the backline firing, they'll put on some points. The question that I saw, uh, you know, the question mark I have over the Sharks is what I saw against the Cowboys is the really low kind of, uh, the, the high number of missed tackles and the low intensity in defense. I think mm. potentially this is where the Rabbitohs, uh, have that advantage of having had that extremely tough game against the Roosters under their belt, um, I think they're going to bring a real intensity to this game, the Rabbitohs. I don't know if they can aim up as much as they would against the Roosters because of the the rivalry kind of factor. But if they do, um, look out, Sharks, because I think the Rabbitohs, uh, this could be one where it could be a big scoreline. What about you, Tish?
1: Yeah, look, I think you're right. I think this would be uh, an entertaining game. I think it's actually going to go quite down to the wire because I'm – Looking at these two teams, they sort of uh, match up quite nicely against each um, other. But I think Cronulla would have been severely disappointed. Like, yeah, look, uh, I know I know what you're saying about South, but, like, I'm just looking, like, even... Like, I, I, I take Cam Murray, for example, right? Cam Murray is obviously a great player, but he's up against Dale Funukin, who's also a great player, right? So when you do the head-to-heads, I think even... Uh, talks about Alex Johnson. Ronaldo, Molotov is no... Set. Uh, no, no slash either, right? So, yeah, so it's a bit of a toss up. But look, I'm going to go with the sharks, and I'm just going to go off recent history because they played earlier in the season and they actually won by one point. And you know, you sort of look at like I feel like you. I think I think the sharks with Moylan and Nico Hines a bit more. I could sort of trust them. A bit more than what I could trust South Sydney, because you don't know sometimes what South Sydney shows up as well. You know, they could they could probably blow any team off the park by about by fifty points, right? <laughs> 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 and then they show up. And so, look, I think I, I, I'm going to tip the Sharks. I think the Sharks, they, you know, they've made it to the final series. I think they kind of, you know, I I, I just think they're probably going to have the right mindset to take this one out. So, Sharks for me on this one.
0: All right, and that's it. That wraps up our uh, podcast for today. And, yeah, look, round two, week two of the NRL finals is going to be a big one because I think we've got a lot of scores to settle. (laughs) All of these teams Mm. having come off, uh, you know, a loss or or a very tough win have a lot to, to prove to themselves this weekend. So this is really about, you know, teams that wanting to prove themselves uh, and and hopefully aiming up for, you know, who are the two current best teams at the moment, the Panthers and the Cowboys, who are sitting there in week three waiting for for their challenger, for the grand final spot on their side of the draw. Um, Tish, thank you very much for this episode. And on behalf of us, I will hand over to you to wrap this up.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. T. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.